Book three, chapter eleven of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter eleven. Modern Notions of Penitence. They set out with no other plan than to take a three-hour stroll. Lionel led the way, and they journeyed through various pleasant lanes and meadows, till about three miles distance from Etherington, upon ascending a beautiful little hill, they espied fifty yards off the grove, and a party of company sauntering round its grounds. He immediately proposed making a visit to Mrs. Arbery but Lavinia declined presenting herself to a lady who was unknown to her mother, and Camilla, impressed with the promise she had intended for Edgar, which she was sure, though unpronounced, he had comprehended, dissented also from the motion. He then said he would go alone, for his spirits were so low from vexation and regret that they wanted recruit, and he would return to them by the time they would be sufficiently rested to walk home. To this they agreed, and amused themselves with watching to see him join the group, in which, however, they were no sooner gratified than, to their great confusion, they perceived that he pointed them out, and that all eyes were immediately directed towards the hill. Vexed and astonished at his quick passing penitence, they hastened down the declivity, and ran on till a lane, with an high hedge on each side, sheltered them from view. But Lionel, soon pursuing them, said he brought the indisputable orders of his invincible widow to convoy them to the mansion. She never, she had owned, admitted formal visitors, but whatever was abrupt and out of the way won her heart. To the prudent Lavinia this invitation was by no means alluring. Mrs. Tyrold, from keeping no carriage, visited but little, and the groove was not included in her small circle. Lavinia, therefore, though she knew not how to be peremptory, was steady in refusal, and Camilla, who would naturally with pleasure have yielded, had a stronger motive for firmness than any with which she was gifted by discretion, in her wish to oblige Mandelbert. But Lionel would listen to neither of them, and when he found his insistence insufficient, seized Lavinia by one arm and Camilla by the other, and dragged them up the hill in defiance of their entreaties and in full view of the party he then left the more pleading though less resisting lavinia alone but pulled camilla down by the opposite side with a velocity that though meant but to bring her to the verge of a small rivulet forced her into the midst of it so rapidly that he could not himself at last stop and wetted her so completely that she could with difficulty when she got across it walk on the violent spirits of Lionel always carried him beyond his own intentions. He was now really sorry for what he had done, and Lavinia, who had quietly followed, was uneasy from the fear of some ill consequence to her sister. Mrs. Albury, who had seen the transaction, came forth now herself to invite them all into her house and offer a fire and dry clothing to Camilla not sparing however her well-merited raillery at the awkward exploit of young tyrold camilla ashamed to be thus seen 
would have hidden herself behind her sister and retreated but even lavinia now fearing for her health joined in the request and she was obliged to enter the house mrs arbury took her upstairs to her own apartment and supplied her immediately with a complete change of apparel protesting that lionel should be punished for his frolic by a solitary walk to etherington to announce that she would keep his two sisters for the day opposition was vain she was gay good-humoured and pleasant but she would not be denied she meant not however to inflict the serious penalty which the face of lionel proclaimed him to be suffering when he prepared to depart and the sisters who read in it his dread of meeting mr tyrold alone in the present circumstances of his affairs conferred together and agreed that lavinia should accompany him both to intercede for returning favour from his father and to explain the accident of camilla staying at the grove mrs albury meanwhile promised to restore her young guest safe at night in her own carriage notwithstanding the pleasure with which camilla in any other situation would have renewed this acquaintance was now changed into reluctance she was far from insensible to the flattering kindness with which mrs albury received and entertained her nor to the frankness with which she confessed that her invisibility the other morning had resulted solely from pique that the visit had not been made sooner camilla would have attempted some apology for the delay but she assured her apologies were what she neither took nor gave and then laughingly added we will try another to-day and if we find it won't do we will shake hands and part that you must know is my mode and is it not vastly better than keeping up an acquaintance that proves dull merely because it has been begun she then ordered away all her visitors without the smallest ceremony telling them however they might come back in the evening only desiring they would not be early camilla stared but they all submitted as to a thing of course you are not used to my way i perceive cried she smiling yet i can nevertheless assure you you can do nothing so much for your happiness as to adopt it you are made a slave in a moment by the world if you don't begin life by defying it take your own way follow your own humour and you and the world will both go on just as well as if you ask its will and pleasure for everything you do and want and think she then expressed herself delighted with lionel for bringing them together by this short cut which abolished a world of formalities not more customary than fatiguing i pass i know continued she for a mere creature of whim but believe me there is no small touch of philosophy in the composition of my vagaries extremes you know have a mighty knack of meeting thus i like the sage though not with sage-like motives save time that must otherwise be wasted brave rules that would murder common sense and when i have made people stare turn another way that i may laugh she then in a graver strain and in a manner that proved the laws of politeness all her own where she chose for any particular purpose or inclination to exert them hoped this profession of her faith would plead her excuse 
that she had thus incongruously made her fair guest a second time enter her house before her first visit was acknowledged and inquired whether it were to be returned to Edrington or at cleves camilla answered she was now at home on account of her mother's being obliged to make a voyage to lisbon mrs arbury said she would certainly then wait upon her at Edrington, and very civilly regretted having no acquaintance with mrs tyrold archly however adding as we have nowhere met i could not seek her at her own house without running too great a risk for then whether i had liked her or not i must have received her you know into mine so you see i am not quite without prudence whatever the dear world says to the contrary she then spoke of the ball public breakfast and raffle chatting both upon persons and things with an easy gaiety and sprightly negligence extremely amusing to camilla and which soon in despite of the unwillingness with which she had entered her house brought back her original propensity to make the acquaintance and left no regret for what lionel had done except what rested upon the repugnance of edgar to his intercourse as he could not however reproach what was begun without her concurrence he would see she hoped like herself that common civility henceforward would exact its continuance in proportion as her pleasure from this accidental commerce was awakened and her early partiality revived her own spirits reanimated and in the course of the many hours they now spent completely together she was set so entirely at her ease by the good humour of mrs arbury that she lost all fear of her wit she found it rather playful than satirical rather seeking to amuse than to disconcert and though sometimes from the resistless pleasure of uttering a bon mot she thought more of its brilliancy than of the pain it might inflict this happened but rarely and was more commonly succeeded by regret than by triumph camilla soon observed she had personally nothing to apprehend peculiar partiality supplying the place of general delicacy in shielding her from every shaft that even pleasantry could render poignant the embarrassment therefore which in ingenuous youth checks the attempt to please by fear or failure or shame of exertion gave way to natural spirits which gaily rising from entertainment received restored her vivacity and gradually though unconsciously enabled her to do justice to her own abilities by unaffectedly calling forth the mingled sweetness and intelligence of her character and mrs arbury charmed with all she observed and flattered by all she inspired felt such satisfaction in her evident conquest that before the tete-a-tete -tete was closed their admiration was become nearly mutual when the evening party was announced they both heard with surprise that the day was so far advanced they can wait however said mrs albury for i know they have nothing to do she then invited camilla to return to her the next day for a week camilla felt well disposed to comply hoping soon to reason from edgar his prejudice against a connection that afforded her such singular pleasure but to leave her father at this period was far from every wish 
she excused herself therefore saying she had still six weeks due to her uncle at cleves before any other engagement could take place well then when you quit your home for sir hugh will you beg off a few days from him and set them down to my account if my uncle pleases if he pleases repeated she laughing pray never give that if into his decision you only put contradiction into people's heads by asking what pleases them say at once my good uncle mrs albury has invited me to indulge her with a few days at the grove so to-morrow i shall go to her will you promise me this dear madam no my uncle would think me mad and suppose he should a little alarm now and then keeps life from stagnation they call me mad i know sometimes wild flighty and what not yet you see how harmless i am though i afford food for such notable commentary but can you really like such things should be said of you i adore the frankness of that question why no i rather think i don't but i am not sure however to prevent their minding me i must mind them and it's vastly more irksome to give up one's own way than to hear a few impertinent remarks and as to the world depend upon it my dear miss tyrrell the more you see of it the less you will care for it she then said she would leave her to reinvest herself in her own attire and go downstairs to see what the poor simple souls who had no more wit than to come back thus at her call had found to do with themselves camilla having only her common morning dress and even that utterly spoilt begged that her appearance might be dispensed with but mrs albury exclaiming why there are only men you don't mind men i hope ashamed she promised to get ready yet she had not sufficient courage to descend till her gay hostess came back and accompanied her to the drawing-room End of chapter 11 Read by Lars Rolander